have something funny in the car to start with. And I didn't really have anything funny. And then Seema told me that her overweight parrot died. But she, Seema's overweight parrot had died. But don't worry, it was a huge weight off her shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> told you I couldn't think of any good ones. <laughs> So today um, I'm continuing on with um, the spiritual practices that we're looking at. Um, we've been looking, we've just started that series on spiritual practices. Um, and I was going to look today at what it means to know God, the spiritual practices and disciplines related to this and how these practices can help us know God more. Benito spoke last week on stillness and it was a great reminder of a really important practice uh, just this week, being the first week of school holidays, we practiced this a little. We went away to mum and dad's holiday place. Um, there's no Wi-Fi. We practiced just taking time out. Um, we read, listened to music, went for walks, discovered places in nature, played some board games, watched old DVDs, um, caught up with friends. It was nice to just stop from the routines of life just for a little while. Um, just stop and just be, be together. Um, clear the mind of things. So yeah, it was a great message about stillness. And I guess in some ways today, my message today leads on from that. Uh, today I want to look at knowing God and how to do this through the practice of vulnerability. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us today. I pray that you use my words to speak what you want me to speak. I pray that you open our hearts and ears to hear and understand what you want us to hear and understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The key desire of God is that we should know him. Not just know of him or know about him or read about him or quote facts about him. God's desire is that we know him. Jeremiah 31 verse 33 to 34 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbour and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. You see, God's desire is that we know him. This is really loud. We see the old covenant here was broken by the people, but the new covenant was built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. The new covenant has this revolutionary power and it offers a personal relationship with God himself. He will write this law in our hearts, not just on stones of, of tablets of stone or, or something. It's written in our heart. So what is the knowing that God desires? You see, deep within our heart, every disciple, every believer of God has a deep longing for more of God. So what is the more that we desire? It will look different for each of us. The more of God that we desire depends on our own situation, our own influences, our own history and our own longings. I don't know that it can be defined in a single word, but it's just to know more of God. We just want to know God. The kind of knowing that God desires is a relational intimacy 
of deep friendship. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 8.3, if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, to truly love God, to know God is to love God. The passage we read from Jeremiah is what is at the heart of God's new covenant with us. His desire is that we all shall know him. In the Amplified Version of John 14, 21, it says, The person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. I will make myself real to him. God just asks us that we believe in him and that we love him. It's that real love, not that, did you get a haircut? I love it kind of love or like a quote from one of the teen movies I used to watch and please don't judge me I like my sketches but I love my Prada backpack is that superficial love God wants us to really love him and then he will make himself known to us it's simple to know God all he asks is that we believe in him and love him he doesn't give us a list of rituals You're not required to attend a certain number of Sunday services to continue your membership with God. You're not required to read the Bible for a particular amount of time each day or pray for 45 minutes a day. He just desires and asks that we believe in him and that we love him. And when we do this, the Bible tells us if we love God, we are known by God. When we love God, he reveals himself to us allowing us to know him and as a result of knowing God we then understand his ways and we develop this desire to get to know him more which leads to us wanting to read his word wanting to spend time in prayer wanting to connect with other believers on a Sunday do you see how it all works all these other practices are built on a foundation of belief in God and a love of God It's that deep relational intimacy, deep friendship, the kind of knowing that only love knows. The role of love in knowing someone is profound. On one hand, you cannot intimately love someone you do not know. So it can be reasonable to say that knowledge precedes love. On the other hand, the deep love of intimate friends entrusts themselves to one another and disclose more of themselves to each other. And this intimate knowledge is only accessible through deep love that results from and produces more profound trust. So deep relational love requires vulnerability. To know someone deeply requires vulnerability. I wanna look briefly at the end of John chapter six. In John 6, Jesus, he was really busy in this chapter and John writes about, it's quite a long chapter, so I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but in the beginning part, um, Jesus feeds the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fish. We all know that story. It was an incredible miracle. The Bible tells us that the people ate their fill. They didn't just have a fish and, and went home to have a proper dinner. They ate their fill the Bible says that they ate as much as they could eat. And when the people saw this miracle in, in John 6:14, the people said, this is indeed the prophet who came into the world. They saw the miracle 
and they knew that God was the prophet who is to come. Following this, Jesus withdrew to the mountain by himself. You notice the stillness that Benito talked about. He went off by himself to pray. In the evening, the disciples left. They got in their boats, went across the other side of uh, the sea to Capernaum. It was dark and Jesus hadn't come back to them from his place of stillness. And the sea became rough and they're trying to row safely across the sea. And then they saw Jesus walk on the water to them. He told them not to be afraid and they were glad to take him in their boat and go to the other side. The next day, the crowd realised Jesus wasn't there anymore, but they hadn't seen him leave. So they wondered how he got to the other side with the disciples. So they all hopped in their boats and went across to the other side of the sea to go and find him. Eventually they found Jesus and this dialogue arises where they ask him, show us a miraculous sign, then we can believe in you. Like the manna you gave to Moses, like God gave to Moses, show us that, give us manna, then we will believe in you. And Jesus tells him, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me shall never hunger and thirst. They will have eternal life. And there's this toing and froing between the people and Jesus uh, for a number of verses. The people wanted more. They saw the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. They knew he was the prophet that the Bible had said would come, that they had said will come. But they wanted more. They didn't understand. They wanted a miraculous sign just so they could believe, even though they saw the miracle the day before. And Jesus kept saying, I'm the bread of life. You know, you, you don't need that. I am. If you come to me, you can come to the Father. But as a result of Jesus not showing them another miraculous sign, many of the followers of Jesus that day left. In verse 66, it says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and we have come to know that you are God. We see this encounter. The people have seen a miracle. They've heard his teaching. They appeared to believe. They came to Jesus. What must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus told them, the work of God is that you believe. But they wanted a sign. They wanted another miracle. They wanted these big moments. They wanted these things more than they wanted God. Jesus told them again and again, I am the bread of life. You've seen me. Still you don't believe. You see, they saw the miracle. They were told by Jesus exactly what they needed to do. But the, the words the Bible uses is that they continued to grumble. Who can listen to this? That's what the Bible says. Who can listen to this? They grumbled. They wanted to believe on their own terms. And as a direct result, many of the disciples turned and no longer, no longer walked with him from that day. But his 12 disciples stayed because as Peter said, we have believed, we know that you are God. The disciples knew God because they believed. So often we want this big sign. If you could just make the manna appear in the desert like you did for Moses, 
the Jews asked, then we will believe. But the truth is that God is already there, right available for us to connect to. All we have to do to know God is believe. To be able to just believe without the big signs requires us to be vulnerable. Trusting and believing that he knows what's best, not us. Vulnerability is believing in that which is not seen. Jesus himself was vulnerable. He was vulnerable to the will of the Father to come to earth as a human. It tells us this in Philippians 2 verse 5 to 8. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Just as Jesus did, vulnerability is putting yourself in a position of risk, uncertainty or emotional exposure. How does that make you feel? Being honest... We don't really like it. We don't like being in a position where we're emotionally exposed. We don't like being in a position of uncertainty or a position of risk. Not being in control of what happens, do we? It often makes us feel uncomfortable. By default, we associate the feeling of vulnerability with shame, fear and uncertainty because naturally we're hardwired by instinct for self-preservation, which is great when we put ourselves in a risky situation. But when we're trying to foster relationships, interpersonal connections or manage our mental health, self-preservation leaves us more wounded. So really we need to understand what it is that stops us from being vulnerable. You see, the Bible tells us that to love God is to know God. But how can we love God completely when there's parts of our life that are stopping us from reaching the point of vulnerability with God? Brené Brown, an American researcher, studied vulnerability extensively. And she says, vulnerability is our most accurate measure of courage. It offers both an invitation and a promise. When we dare to drop the armour that protects us from feeling vulnerable... We open ourselves up to the experiences that bring purpose and meaning to our lives. See, vulnerability is the birthplace of loving, love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy and creativity. It's the source of hope, empathy, accountability and authenticity. I don't know about you, but I would love more experiences in my life that bring purpose and meaning as well as other things that, that vulnerability can bring us, love and joy, belonging, authenticity. And I know that God can give, us, can give me more purpose and meaning if I just allow myself to open up to God and be a bit more vulnerable in my relationship with God. Vulnerability is that willingness to expose ourselves to emotional risk and help free us from the pressure of our own expectations. Expectations we have, such as perfection, fear of failure, and shame, 
freedom from those expectations can lead us to embrace or even just attempt challenging situations that can benefit our own personal growth without the fear of failure or expectations, with freedom from shame. You see, shame can easily be confused with guilt. Guilt is feeling bad about what you did. Shame is feeling bad about who you are. Shame is the stuff we hide, but it makes us hide as well. It's the opposite of connection. When we sin or we do the wrong thing, we have these feelings of shame or guilt or embarrassment. These feelings are not always bad. When we remind ourselves when and where we make mistakes, it usually means we're better to equipped to deal with better decisions in the future. The difference is why are we feeling ashamed? See, good old Oprah Winfrey once said, we tell ourselves unkind and mostly untrue stories about ourselves all our life and then marinate in them. The important thing to reach the point of vulnerability is to separate who you are from what you've done. I am not bad. What I did was bad. I made a bad decision. We all do. It's a part of life. It's also a part of life to learn from our bad decisions and aim to do better next time. These feelings of shame and guilt that we hold on to can stop us connecting with God. Because when we feel ashamed or incorrectly that God is disappointed or upset with us, it stops us from completely connecting with God. Romans 8 verse 1 to 2 tells us, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. What an incredible promise. God is not disappointed in you. God is not ashamed of you. God loves you. He wants us to come to him, to love him, to know him. As a people these days, as a society, it's like we've been conditioned to not be vulnerable. It's often perceived as a weakness or as something negative. And as a result, there's things that literally stop us from being able to be vulnerable. I think of when I was a child, we used to hear stories from places such as Africa and Asia, where the Christians there saw these incredible miracles, healing, provision, and God's goodness. And as I got older, I began to wonder why we didn't see those incredible miracles here on the same scale as we did there. And I began to realise it's because we have. We have so many things at our disposal. They become barriers. We become less reliant on God as a result of those barriers. Yes, we believe in God, we follow God, we trust God. But what I began to realise is that we usually have a backup plan. Now, I'm not saying that's entirely a bad thing. I strongly believe that God puts people in and around our lives to help us. But I do believe that we can often hang in the security of that more than the security of God. How can I explain this better? How many people are on medications? I am. My medications are important. Without my medications, I may not even be here. 
I believe God gave people the skills to research and develop these medications to help us. But we all know that medications will not keep us alive forever. Eventually there'll be another problem and another medication and another treatment. And eventually as a human, we will die. We are not designed to survive forever or even for hundreds of years. Vulnerability is knowing that I am not eternal, only God is. Our time on earth is limited, but knowing God and loving God offers us an eternity with him. Over the last seven years, one of the areas, the biggest areas I've had to become vulnerable with God in is my health. I understand and I'm at a point where I can be real and completely vulnerable with God. And do you know what? It's not scaring. It's not anxiety-inducing. It creates a sense of peace because I know that I'm nothing without God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. I know that I have no control over that. Does it mean that I give up or that I don't take care of myself or that I ignore medical advice or throw caution to the wind? No, I do what I can do to help, but I know that ultimately God is in control of my life and the knowledge of that gives me peace. Does it mean I'm never afraid of the future, never worried or stressed? No, because I'm a human. I feel human feelings and emotions. But because I love God, I know God. And the only, I know that the only way to the Father is through him. And when I start to go off course or my mind travels into all these fears and worries, he guides me, steers me back on track. Because he's promised me in Hebrews, he will never leave me or forsake me. He's assured me in Psalms 18 that he will be my rock and my stronghold. Because I know God. I know that when I pass through the waters, I know that he's with me. The rivers will not sweep over me. The fire will not burn me. And the flame will not consume me. You see, vulnerability is an essential part of knowing God. It's crucial to growing our faith. Being vulnerable with God is coming to the one who was vulnerable for us on the cross. He created and sustains our life. We stop ourselves from coming to God for fear that we disappoint him or maybe because we want to hide something. But Hebrews 4.13 tells us nothing is hidden from his sight. And Psalm 44.21 reminds us that God knows the secrets of our heart. So when we open ourselves up to God, we have an opportunity to see our faith in God's power increase. When we uncurl our clenched fists, we let go of desperately holding on to the way we want to do things and allow God to lead and guide us. The truth is, God already knows everything about us. Every shame, every wrong, every wrong we have yet to make. But he still loves us. Vulnerability leads to loving God completely. When we love God, we know God and he will guide us and help us navigate our way through this confusing thing that we call life. There's a beautiful quote I read from Max Licardo. It says, trust God's love, his perfect love, 
Don't fear he will discover your past. He already has. Don't fear disappointing him in the future. He can show you the chapter in which you will. With perfect knowledge of the past and perfect vision of the future, he loves you perfectly in spite of both. And that's what vulnerability is. It's coming to God and saying, I know you know about my past. I know you know the things I struggle with. I know you know my thoughts. You see my shame. You see my failings. But I'm coming to you because I need you. I have nothing more valuable than you in my life. I believe in you. I love you. I want to know you, God. 1 John 4.16 reminds us that God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. When we are vulnerable enough to just rely on the knowledge of that, we gain confidence in him. If we want to meet God in the midst of our fear and brokenness, shame and anxiety, we must be willing to learn how to surrender, how to come to God with complete vulnerability and let him care for us. Think of vulnerability with God as a way of releasing effort, tension and fear to someone that we trust. David Benner, a psychologist, paints a picture of vulnerability as floating. Floating is putting your full weight on the water, trusting that you will be supported. It's letting go of your natural instincts to fight against sinking. Only then do you discover that you are supported. Vulnerability happens when you let go of judgments, your agenda, your emotive life and desires. It's putting aside your brokenness, shame, anxiety and fear and connecting to the source, allowing God to enter our lives and brokenness in ways that you've never expected. It's letting go and discovering that you are supported by God. I love this passage in Psalm 55. Um, the, the whole chapter speaks of this cry for help, this vulnerability, the position of not knowing what to do, having nothing left. And it finishes with this promise from God in verse 22. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. We have to be vulnerable enough to trust him with our burdens because we know him. We know that he will take care of us. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Trust the same power that sustains you each day to also carry your cares and burdens. I want you to do something with me. I learned a simple practical technique and I want to teach it to you. Now, it may help you focus if you close your eyes. What I want you to do is close your hands in fists in front of you. Both hands, as tight as you can. Clench them tightly. Now, as you do this, I want you to consider what your heart and your mind are holding on to in a similar way. Maybe there's things in your life that you're clinging to. Your expectations about how your work life was going to go the relationships you thought you would have with a loved one, but you don't. Shame about areas in your life that you feel like you've lost control of. Notice the emotions you feel about these things. 
Keep your fists clenched tightly. Think of all the ways you've tried to cope with these anxieties, disappointments, sins, and missed expectations. Your hands should be getting tired now of being held so tightly. This is the tiredness that your soul feels, tired of holding on, longing for a release. Now open your hands and allow your palms to face the floor. Allow those things to drop to the floor. Let all the things you've been holding on to fall to the ground. And as your hands relax, speak of the release of those things that you held on to so tightly. Pray, Father, I give you this anxiety about and name it. Your relationships, your shame, your fears. I'm so tired of holding on to it. I'm letting go. I'm placing myself in your care. And lastly, turn your hands over. Let your palms face upwards. This is the posture of receiving. And receive into them Jesus' words. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You can open your eyes. It's a simple practice of release. It's putting yourself in a position of vulnerability. And sometimes a physical action can help with our mind. It's a practice you will need to do often because we're human and we know that often we'll pick some of these things back up before we leave. It's an action that's easy to do anywhere, at your desk, at work, at the shops, whenever you're in a situation that makes you feel anxious. Whenever you feel the need to, Release the things you're holding on to and bring yourself into a place of vulnerability with God. A heart that is free is open and vulnerable. Vulnerability with God is allowing yourself to be completely open and free with God. Allowing yourself to love him unconditionally like he loves us. And as those verses tell us, when you love God, you will know him. Vulnerability is a spiritual practice where we push through the barriers that disconnect us from knowing God intimately. It's an important practice to position ourselves to receive from God, to receive his grace, his love, his support and his comfort in our life. I recently read a couple of books by the founder of The Resilience Project. They were great books. In the books, the author looks at the practices of gratitude, empathy and mindfulness and the positive effects that these have on mental health. One of the things mentioned in the book as a barrier to vulnerability is ego. Ego rears its head when you feel insecure or unsure of yourself. Ego tries to protect you from harm, embarrassment and shame, but it ends up stopping your progress in life. 
it holds you back from being vulnerable. And in the book that I read, they gave a simple approach to help with ego, the barrier to vulnerability. The simple approach in the book mentioned was plus, minus, equal. And I think they can be important keys to helping us discover and develop ourselves with God, knowing God and experiencing vulnerability with God. And it works like this. Plus, learn from someone more experienced than you. Find a mentor or a teacher. One of the most foolish things we can do is approach life believing that we already know everything we need to know. If we don't listen to people who know more than we do, we'll find it very hard to learn. Vulnerability 101 says there's always someone who knows more than you and has more experience than you. Look for them, listen to them, allow them to mentor you. Minus, it's impossible to teach without first learning. Become a teacher. Through educating or instructing those less knowledgeable, we're forced to consolidate our higher understanding. Do I find it super easy to preach to you? No. Do I learn more about God each time I prepare a sermon? Yes. We will always learn something when we have to pull apart a topic in order to explain it to someone else. Be alert to people who are willing to learn from you and seize the opportunity. And equal. Competition is a great leveller. It's also a great motivator. Find someone to be accountable with, someone who's at a similar stage of growth as you, to spur on and develop you and encourage you. It's important to seek out and connect with people who challenge us. As equals, we push ourselves to greater results and learn from each other along the way. The same dynamics apply in all of life. If there's an area you want to improve, seek out your equals. I hope that you can find this plus, minus and equal approach of great use to you. Apply it in your life as you seek to know God more, as you seek to become more vulnerable in areas of your life with God. Find someone to mentor you. Find someone to mentor and come alongside of someone to learn with and be accountable and vulnerable with as you seek to know God more. There's always more to learn. Never get complacent, especially in the things of God. Knowing God is not just reading your Bible more or attending church more or volunteering more. We long for something more. And that is to know God, to be near God, and to encounter him in our lives. It's a longing to be with our beloved, and it's his great desire that we know him. I want to leave you with this verse in Hosea 6.3. It says, let us press on to know the Lord in everything we do.